The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service, powered by TrueCar. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash car buying. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. Hanging out today with Marcus and Melanie. How are you guys? Blessed and unstoppable. Thank you for asking. I'm great. Thank you. Nice. Well, let's do a Patreon question of the day. What or who taught you or told you something you consider invaluable in your life? First Sergeant Jonathan E.B. when I was stationed at 2nd Battalion, 7th Marines at uh, 29 Palms. And I literally think about him every day. He'd say, you can learn from everyone. And he would say that to me when something particularly irritating had happened, when a sergeant was you know, pissing me off, or when I saw something that was great. And he'd say, learn from everyone what you want to do and what you want to make sure you never do. So thank you for Sergeant Jonathan Eby, if you're out there. Thank you. That was a good pull, man. He was ready for that one. He was yeah. ready. Like he, already, like, he already he read like, this before I even said it. Gate, man. <laughs> that was I actually haven't seen it, but yeah, I think about that guy a lot. <laughs> well, what about what you? If- uh, I have so many people. I, I can't, I'm not like him. I can't. I've got one actually. It was actually your dad. Um, so I used to obviously work at y'all's house whenever I was young, building fences and stuff. And he told me a, a piece of advice. He said, if somebody asks you to do something and you, and you say it's not your job, he'll say it's not your job anymore. Yeah. And it, it just stood with me <laughs> to think that, you know, just it was kind of a reminder that like you're never too important to do something, yeah. you know, never smaller too than good. that, you know, too That's good to help out. Definitely something my dad would yeah. say. So that stuck with me forever. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to give a little shout out because I think people that I've found or had incredible wisdom from that's not family, like all my family has, but um, Joyce Tucker has been a huge mentor and someone that I look up to in my life. I just, I value everything that she says. She's a good friend, so that's who mine is. I don't know, from my dad to the thing he taught me from... I'm going to give you discipline every day of your life, and through discipline, you're going to gain respect, respect for yourself and respect for other people. The only time you ever lose your respect is when you lose your discipline. My martial arts instruct me, instructor uh, since they taught me to climb a mountain, you have to start at the bottom, one hand over the, uh, the next. Billy taught me that with, with my teammates, it's up, up together, down together, live together, die together. If you're not a team, you've got to start over. Um, Governor Perry taught me that the only thing constant in life is change. Yep. That's great. And then the wife taught me to be happy and show joy. If kindness is free. And I don't think people delve into the whole thing, but the more kindness <laughs> you show, people actually reciprocate not only with kindness, but gifts. That's because they don't know how to be kind. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's a hidden 
luxury in life inside that. That if you, if you, I mean, it's hard to break it into it, but if you, if you spend enough time on it being kind and just keep going at it and keep going at it, the rewards come back because people don't know how to show kindness back and that's how they do it. And that's how you know it's working. It made um, sense. Bumper sticker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was a great Patreon question. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for asking that. Head over to patreon.com slash team never quit. You can access some exclusive content, a challenge coin, some sweet merch, as well as the ability to ask these Patreon questions to our listeners and to our hosts. Make sure y'all check that out. Hey, we've got a great guest in store today. I'm going to say this name to the best of my abilities, Ernan Luisi Prado. Is it, did I get it? Perfect. Is a 15-year Navy veteran, humanitarian, and entrepreneur. He's the founder and CEO of Workshops for Warriors, a nonprofit organization that provides transitioning service members and veterans compressed, advanced manufacturing training, certification, and job placements. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you very much for having me. That name, that, that name is a mouthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I'll be about laughs> Imagine stenciling that through uh, five different sets of uniforms when uh, your drill instructor says, Hey, stupid, what part of just your last name did you not get? And you're like, yeah, no, it is my last name. I'm like, do it again. And by the fifth time, he was, uh, I think, too embarrassed that once he realized that was actually my whole last name, he's like, okay, sorry, shut up, sorry. do it. <laughs> I think about that a lot, actually. When you see somebody with one of those stellar last names, got a lot of letters in it, it's like, man, military, that must have been a pain. Boot camp having to do all that stenciling? Because you didn't have the spray thing back in. You had to do oh, the, yeah. the, the, the damn pen. Oh, yes. They're miserable. That's awesome. That's, that, that's hilarious. Bootcamp and OCS. Oh, both man. Time. Right? Those oh. NCOs got to have a blast watching that go down. That, that has to be. <laughs> that's where you need to send the vets afterwards to, to de, part of the decom, decom is going there and teach the younger ones, man. Just makes it laugh. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you again for being here, by the way, brother. It's, it's, it's an honor to have you on, and thank you for your service and everything that you would do. So. Uh, when Thank we, you for yours. You're welcome. <laughs> it was an honor to do it. Thanks for letting me do it. When we bring people in, it's the, those never quit stories, and everyone has a, a different one. Everybody has a different path in life. We're as unique as our fingerprints, right? But then you see people over time, they kind of distinguish themselves uh, uh, amongst our people. You're one of them, man. So how'd you get into all this? How'd this start? Let's back it up from the beginning. Yeah, tell us your story. For- for workshops, it was necessity, right? Uh, the mother of all. So I, I came back from Iraq after my first combat tour, and it was such a, such a jarring shock to me. You know, before you went to a, a combat tour, as you know, you have this kind of like Hollywood vision of what it's going to look like when you come back from combat, and you know everything is going to be cool. The, the broken guys or the dead guys or the injured guys are never you or your friends. It's always someone else. You know, some red shirt in the movie that you barely know of. Uh, and that's a great point. That's a great point. You know? Because you can't you can't bust up the lead actors. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I never looked at it like that. But yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know, I came back and you know, I, as an officer like you, you you think of this huge responsibility you have in theater of taking care of people and that if you were stuck as a prisoner of war, you'd be responsible for their well being and their safety and doing everything you can to kind of get out of that camp and get back to friendly forces and I got back to U.S. in the U.S. where you know, we called it FOB San Diego when we came back here. And it's all good. We saw these honorable, capable, and proven men and women that I served with that were just struggling to find purpose in, this, in the regular civilian world. And you know, I had to do something. And one day I was literally walking in a mall, the, the most kind of pedestrian thing possible. And one of my Marines 
from when I was enlisted, came up to me and said, Hey doc, can you, can you be my best man at my wedding this Friday? And I said, yeah, sure. And that's when I realized that he had lost both of his legs to an IED and it, it totally floored me. Here I was tough guy, combat vet, and my knees literally sank to the floor. Uh, I was there with my wife and like I said, you know, we're going to sell everything that we have and we're going to do something. And to her credit, she said, yeah. And that's how we started workshops for four years. It's a good wife. Yeah. yeah I'm about to say, man, how'd you, what was the courage to get to that conversation, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's harder than the combat was when, when you got to deliver, lay it out and like, Hey, guess what? Yeah. That, that's awesome. It, it is, man. It, to, to back that up a little bit, to go off our own experience, it, it, I was thinking about this earlier. It's, it's, it should be one of those things like we don't ever get out. I think that's the misconception is the fact that they say that you're getting out. <laughs> right. Right. That totally just blows people's mind. I think about it now and it even gives me a headache mm-hmm. when they say that. Because I literally had to reteach my, I was like, we don't ever get out. You're, you're right. never out. Boot camp is part of it. In the uniform is, a part, is like going through a different grade school. Combat, different school. Imagine taking everything you do in America, and then they move us to a, like the worst war-torn place, but we have to live our <laughs> life in that. that. That's basically what's going down. And then we get to come back. You take It's forever uniform. We just get to put our name on it for a little bit. So when I, mm-hmm. when I started thinking about it like that, I was like, okay, so what's the next cycle? And there is, there is a gap. There's a huge gap between that part when they drop us off the bus and where we're supposed to go. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> going to the bus station, you know, once you get there, then like, all right, now what? And it's... Right. Um, I had to reteach myself in my head to think that I would hear all my buddies like, hey, man, there's no job for a sniper out in the, in the civilian world. There's no job. There's no job. I was like, no, not for the, the title, but everything that goes right. into being that there is what makes us up. Like you can't take out all. We just take the color, the uniform off. We don't take what we are off. You can't do that. So we just keep stacking it like life is our rank, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that gap that you're filling with what, you, what you're doing, man, I, that's, that's spot on because there is there's that 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 shock. But if you know that you're just graduating to a different level, then it makes it all the more, I mean, it makes it worth it because there's no, there's, there's kind of not an end game. It's just, we just keep going. You know, what you're saying is, is spot on. And I, I'm sure you felt it too. Again, I'm not going to presuppose, but I'm going to presuppose a little bit because I think you and I have a kind of similar background that you have, you know, you're, you're taught when we're in, you know, you're a badass, you can do anything, you know, improvise, adapt, overcome. You have all these cool sayings, you know, it never rains. It's just liquid sunshine. Yeah. You know, you're cruising through life and, you view as everything as a challenge to be overcome and then you get out and you know, here you are, you've been America's suit of armor for God knows how many years, right? And you're not a robot. You got your own brain, but it's like that familiar, you know, you put your LBVs on, you put your, all your, you're all like suited up. You know what you're expected to do every day. You know what your mission is, you know, where you're going to go, you know, roughly like when you're going to wake up, you're going to show up, what you're going to do. And you have that consistency in life, that purpose. And then you're just kind of ripped out of America's chain mail suit of armor and just kind of cast adrift. And I think the hardest part is just you're in free fall. You don't know like what's next. What am I supposed to do? Because, you know, America loves her veterans, but America needs welders, fabricators, machinists, and you need a civilianized skill set that other people can value. And that gives you enough money because, you know, vets aren't stupid. If you can go on BAH and unemployment, make more money than you could at a minimum wage job for two years, why not? Oh, no one can milk the system. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> well, it's not milking. It's finding out what you're entitled to. That's the cool part right. about it. It's like we cover down on each other uh, doing it. I completely uh, agree with you 
100% on that. 100%. And Marcus, my friends call me H. Okay, check. Welcome to do that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Did you always want to serve? What was your calling to even get into the service? You know, it sounds really goofy when you think about it, but I was, as my drone instructor said, a damn foreigner. I was actually born in Argentina, and I grew up in Paris, France. So oh, wow. obviously, I joined the U.S. Navy. Right? <laughs> You're and, on track to be the world's most interesting man. <laughs> <laughs> and my tiger is right off camera. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna get I, uh, this guy famous. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was a double E major, so electrical engineering and philosophy, and I wanted to be part of a fighting force that upheld a constitution for an idea and wasn't beholden to you know, a, a monarchy, a bloodline, a race. And I wanted to be part of a military that had never systematically engaged in plunder or destruction. It was something that you were always accountable to someone else. You had these ideals that guided you and you had an opportunity to rectify faults and to seek, you know, to seek compensate. Well, not to seek redress for wrongs. And that's one of the things that I loved about the U.S. And that's why I wanted to join the U.S. military. How old were you when you came over? I was 25 years old when I enlisted. I enlisted in Paris, and I actually went to Wiesbaden, Germany. And I actually did my first day of boot camp the 23rd of December because clearly I had not researched the topic well enough, and I didn't realize that everyone took two weeks off. They spent extra two weeks of boot camp oh. during Christmas. Oh, oh. oh. we talk about that here. That is the yeah. That needs to be in a book. There, there needs to be that because my brother went in two days before Thanksgiving, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So that's the whole holiday stand down. And I tried, right. I was like, man, you're not going to do nothing. And then the weather sets in. I had a, oh man, you're making, you're drawing back some memories now, man. That's the funny stuff. Because when you pass it over to your friends, like, whatever you do, don't go on on this day. Like, it's like planting season. <laughs> you run around in Chicago yeah, right. looking like a militarized oh, nun. You know, with your, your cracker jacks popping up because the wind's at 40 knots and you're freezing, going, why did I do this? So I, like, I'm sorry. I, I mean, this is super interesting because everybody that we know, with the exception of one person, is an American when they sign up, and they all have their own reasons, whether it's family or whatever. So you, no one in your family lived in America. You just had this idea on your own as an Argentinian-born, Parisian-raised kid that just wanted to enlist. That's crazy to me. It was. I, I had lived in the U.S previously for a couple of years. And I, I really liked being in the U.S. And I love the fact, you know, I had been to so many different countries and there was always graft and corruption. And, you know, my uncle and many members of my family were killed by the Argentinian military. And I, I didn't want to be a part of any one of those organizations. And I thought the U.S. was this kind of beacon of freedom and beacon of equality and where things were made right. And if enough people saw it, they would make it right. And that there was no other so country cool. like that in the world. It's the best way to become a, an American. I mean, you know you're one right there. You want to sign up and fight for this thing? Boom, there's your stamp. Yeah. I remember showing up to boot camp, and I didn't know where I was at, what was going on. I thought it was a different <laughs> country altogether. I mean, it, it, how that feels, right? No one's right. your friend. <laughs> no. Everyone's screaming at you. I mean, it's kind of – I remember that. And then it systematically makes you a, a citizen. I remember when, when they had all the National Guard up at, in D.C., and, and mm -hmm. some of the, the press was saying they were getting, we know it's the National Guard have taken over D.C. This is a tra tragedy. I'm like, man, those are our greatest citizens. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are supposed to be. They can do whatever they want up there. That's their right. town. They're in the uniform protecting it. 
I, I just thought that that was a mischaracterization of what what was really going on. Yeah, it was there was some of our citizens doing some bad stuff, but man, they could take the uniform off. That's just like everything else we put on. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, if you think about it, you're, the FDA allows a certain amount of rat poop and egg and uh, and rat hairs and pieces of rodents and almost all the food that we eat. So if there's a small percentage of you know, bad people and the larger pool of good people, you got to take that with a grain of salt, right? They're, they're lies, damn lies, and statistics. You got to think about that a little bit, right? Going back to um, your workshop for warriors, like, do you have an actual brick and mortar place where people go and learn how to do these trades? Oh, yeah. We were on three city blocks in San Diego on Main Street, right in front of the world's largest naval base. And I'm happy that you brought that up because you know, when you think about veteran service organizations, there are almost 42,000 veteran service organizations in the U.S. Less than 2% of them have revenues of over a million dollars, like workshops for warriors. Is that true? And, That's oh true. Yeah, and, and 17% of that 2% actually own their own land or have full-time staff and workshops for warriors are there too. We have 30 full-time members. We have land here on several city blocks on Main Street, San Diego. And we've got students here five days a week. Oh, that's awesome. Zero seven thirty until eighteen hundred every day. That's wow. incredible, and that had to be really expensive to get that <laughs> yeah. set up. How did you do that? Uh, we sold a lot of kidneys. Oh my gosh! Good for you. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> no, all kidding aside, we were resellers of never quit ammunition. That's good. This guy's been an operative of mine for a long time now. I feel y'all picking that up. It ought to be the the last year of our enlistment is is schooling out. How, how long? However long? How long does it take us to get it in, get us in there? Right, a year and some change, rough, roughly, right? To, to go through our program or in general? No, 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 no. To get us in the military, like when we're when we're when, oh, right. when we're in docking mm-hmm. in, like when they're changing us, it's, right. it's it's about that long, right? It ought to be that that transition coming back out. The process should kind of be the same. You know, that's a great point, Marcus, and that's one of the things that people bring up is, you know, it takes anywhere from four to 40 months to train a civilian to become a part of America's fighting force. It takes five days to make them civilians again. So there's just not enough of an off-ramp oh, acceleration. Yeah, five days. I remember having my bags, the gate shut, and it was over. <laughs> and I had left one of my bags in the deal, and I couldn't get back in. I was like, hey. hey. And it's not, it's just, there's, there's different life cycles going on down here and we're kind of shifting through them. That's what the military life's all about. It's, it's supposed right. to be a ride, a great one. And, um, for the longest time, I thought that that was part of it. I was like, okay, so we're part mm-hmm. of the, we're part of the team. We go in, we do this. And then now we have our isolation phase, like where they sent, they sent me by myself to see what I learned or if, if what I could do. But then I realized that, man, I don't operate well without my team. I'm just kind of a, right. a, a you know, just a cog in the wheel, if you will. But, and that's the other big issue is that, you know, the military trains teams, but civilians hire people. Well, so that's great it's hard to go from, and we see that every, every day at workshops for warriors that you'll see these really impressive men and ladies that uh, they'll, they'll always say my team, my team, my team or are, and I said, Hey, that's great. You got to shift to I, I, I now because they're <laughs> basically going to hire. I don't know if you can breed that out of us, man. Because once you once you breathe that never quit mentality in there, once someone tells us to quit, we shut it down, and then you've compounded well, yeah. by war. Like then and now, it's hammered in there. You're right, but that's pretty smart. So if you tell them, hey, this is a new theater of operations, kind of like like when you got that no kidding. I, I completely when you get on yes, I agree with that. I know exactly what you're about. Yeah, I could 100. percent Not only are they you know? smart, they're intuitive, witty, conniving. You know that we we play every <laughs> hat right to stay alive out there to figure stuff out, and it's right. It's that instinct that gets shoved back into us 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, bro. That's that's good stuff. No one ever we don't ever talk about this stuff usually out loud, but that's that's on point. One hundred percent. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so and that's the biggest issue. We call our school the velvet funnel, where you go from the military, which is like this really tight straw where you're really confined every day in what you do and how you do it. You know what your peers expect of you, you know what your bosses are demanding of you, and you know what your subordinates are expecting of you. And all of a sudden you got to give people a little bit more liberty and more liberty, more liberty before they get to the civilian world. That's yeah, what yeah. our school does. Because we take active duty people. We have transitioning people that are active duty when they start our program. And then they leave our program and they, you know, they get off active duty and transition to the civilian world within a week or two of leaving our school. Do you have a problem finding students? No, so just to give you an idea, there are about uh, well, there are a, a million veterans that are leaving the service over the next five years. And we've got about 16,000 job offers for every one of our graduates. So right now, our biggest challenge is that we're constrained by capacity. We're constrained to about 190 graduates per year. And we're in the midst of a $20 million expansion to grow that to 486 graduates per year. But we have far more people than we can possibly accommodate in our program. Could you, I mean, franchise is the wrong word, but could you open up satellite um, centers in other states? So, Melanie, that is a great question, probably the number one question that we have. And the answer to that is, yes, you can. The challenge with that is, who's going to man those schools? Right now, there are 2.3 million unfilled jobs due to lack of skilled labor in America. I'm going to say that again, 2.3 million. Mm -hmm. So, Workshops for Years right now puts out 192 graduates per year. Once we expand to what President Obama, President Trump, and President Biden wanted, which was 103 schools throughout the nation, this school here in San Diego is going to grow to about 25 classrooms, about 2,500 graduates. It would take 703 schools, like Workshops for Warriors at its max capacity, 10 years to fill America's current skills gap, just to give you an idea. And the biggest challenge is finding the instructors. So our school is like buds. We are the, like the SECNAV when he came to visit us. We are the SEAL team of manufacturing. We train the people that will train other people to become the vanguard for America's manufacturing force. So how do you find your teachers? There are, most of them are veterans. We also have a lot, several civilians that have come on board and they're intellectually rigorous. Uh, they're teaching 40 to 50 hours a week and they've kind of aligned with our mindset because we have a very little amount of time to transform people. We've got four months. Now that's nine hours a day, five days a week for 16 weeks to convert people from military to competent machinists, welders, or fabricators. And we've been, you know, 95% the, of our graduates. Dude, it needs to be an EAOS. I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry. Again? I'm just getting no, no, it, it ought to be an EAOS. Like we were, you transfer over because we have everybody in the military. People just think yeah. it's, it's not. We have everything no, from a- astronauts to people who hand out basketballs to, to rodeo team, baseball, everything. You're right. You're right. And it's not it's not hard to you tell people what to do in the military. It's like, right. hey, you're so smart, you're squared away. You're going over here and teach these guys how to become this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's part of your transition out period. You're absolutely right. Or transition Another, over. We shouldn't say out ever. It's like over. Right. No, and I, I see what you're saying, but a funny statistic is that is I'm married to the world's cutest nerd. So my wife is a survey methodologist and statistician. And one of the things that we do is everything we do is driven by data. So if you, if you know what you're aiming for, you're more likely to hit it. And so we measure everything. And one of the things that we've noticed is about 16% of the people that come into our program were actually doing what they did in the service. So we only get 16% of people that were welders that want to become certified welders or were machinists want to become certified. You're just as likely to have 
a SEAL or SWIC or mess specialist become a machinist as sure. you do anything else. Absolutely. I want to open a school. I mean, the guys have all the skills, like especially <laughs> in the team. We should do that here. <laughs> you should just. So we've been asked to do it in Houston, and we'd love to. In fact, we've got some of our graduates down in Houston helping out at SpaceX. Uh, there's another guy down there that got one of our top instructors, and he's teaching down there. Our goal is to rebuild America one veteran at a time. To do that, we need to build the instructors and make sure they have the same intellectual rigor and discipline that our school has and expand that mindset throughout America. Yeah, and not separate. Like, we, we keep bringing back to that. I mean, I don't when it comes to the, we talked to some of my buddies the other day, man, if vets ever decide to unionize. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because we're in everything. Everyone, right. That's a constant. We're, we're, we're flux through everybody and everywhere mm-hmm. from all demographics, everything. And, and yes. there's, I mean, we, we separate on purpose. I get that. But now it's kind of mm-hmm. like everybody's, you can see the, it forming. You can see everybody coming mm-hmm. back together. It's like the, when, when they separated us, everyone had to go in their own direction to see what they were truly capable of and mm-hmm. hone in on that skill. And now we're going to start pulling those laces tight since that boot up. Yeah, all right, Roger that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely. And that's what, one of the things that we tell people is when, when you're in the teams or you're in the Navy or whatever, you've got a team, you've got a tribe, but then you become a civilian and you lose your tribe. And what we tell graduates here is, hey, you've got 16 weeks here to start your new tribe because the people to your left and to your right are going to be the people that are going to be following you in this career for the rest of your lives. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be working at SpaceX, Boeing, Tesla, Reliance Steel and Aluminum, Google, wherever it is. And in five years, you can say, hey, Marcus, how do you like SpaceX? And you say, oh, this is great, bro. You need to come over. And saying you set up an interview for me, then I go over there, and then we oh, spend yeah. you know ten oh, yeah. years there. It's just like we do anything else. We take when we go in to, to right. build something up. We go and send in the first one. You actually become an un- undercover operative. Your job right. is to go in there and make new friends, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and, and, right? And build a relationship. That, I mean, yeah. when you say you're not out, like hey, you take the uniform off, you're undercover now, just like the seals were. When we graduate mm-hmm. and get older, it's called being getting more mature. You can handle mm-hmm. that stuff. And, and that's a real thing. Right. And when uh, it is, when you go in there, always think, man, I'm on the job. I'm here, no matter what they say or who comes at you, the road. like, I'm here to make friends and get this thing going. Mm-hmm. I'm here to build something. So, are right. you only taking transitioning, or if someone's been out for five years and they just took some time off and don't know what to do, can they go? Yes. So, we do both, but transitioning and veterans. And depending on the semester, you might have one. One semester, you're going to have 80% of the, like this semester, we just graduated 64 people. Like 70% of them were active duty, 30% were veterans. Another semester could be 80% veterans, 20% active duty. It really depends on the semester. Are you calling it by class numbers, like BUDS? We, we didn't start at zero. In fact, we have actually made some plaques for, uh, I think, class 186. And we've got a couple of the different class numbers here that we make the, the Budweiser for. But we haven't started the class numbers. We just go by year and by semester. Well, that's a number. So start it like that. Because that, they'll start feeding it. They'll do it themselves. That, that'll probably, oh, yeah. probably oh, you know how it yeah. works, bro. Like which class were you? Yeah, what class were you? Oh, it was easy back then. Or hard. You know. 2018-09? <laughs> that's no, awesome. Who pays for the class? Does the student or is the government paying for that? So we get the majority of our donations are from corporate philanthropists and individual donors. We do accept GI Bill, but students don't pay any out-of-pocket costs at all themselves. So the students that have GI Bill use it. The students that don't, we get scholarships. Oh, that's for them. huge! That's man, yeah, that's great way. How was, was that hard and to get that? 
Oh, it, it took a very. It took eight years to get. I was going to say, man, so that, easy. That, eight uh, years. I kind of went past my ear when you said that, but that—that's if you because most people don't use it. I think I still have right? mine. Are you doing stuff like IT work too, or is it just like hands-on manufacturing labor type? So we traits? teach three courses of instruction. One is computer-aided design, computer-aided manufacturing, welding and fabricate and machinery repair. So the three courses of instruction are 16 weeks long, and they lead to an average salary of $60,000 a year after four months of training in our school. So courses cost 25,000 bucks to go in and they make $60,000 after four months. So if you're a business person, you know, getting 200% plus ROI on your money, that's pretty good, is a pretty good deal yeah. in four months, right? That's awesome. That's really cool. We need to talk afterwards and see how we can help put a school you in the come up here and do a podcast. You'd be amazed at how many people come up here. And the first thing they say is, I had no idea that well, this was so big. I had no idea that I didn't know about it. And I had well, no where idea it's at. Young that, that's work. the thing is where yeah. you said it was located. Your prime location. We'll actually be there in November on Veterans Day. Oh, we'll come. Oh, will you? Yeah, we'll roll yeah. over. We're going to be. going to come in early. We're we have an that. event um, on Veterans Day that we're going to at the Dell for, oh, an, yes. or, uh, for oh. an organization called VETS, V-E-T-S. So if anybody's listening and wants to go to that, it's a big gala at the Dell. We're all going to be there Nothing. now. <laughs> we are, I've already committed you. The There's, no getting us out. There's no getting so us out. There's no getting us out. So I guess we're going to come over there and see you, bro. Yeah. Would love it. Would love it. Um, that's really cool. When you, To people to donate and to follow you, to help out, what's the, the best way they can do that? I mean, if to to get the word out, we're going to do that on this side, but just to, so they can follow Thanks. you and track, keep track of all this. The easiest way to, to give money or to help is you go to WFW.org. That's whiskey, foxtrot whiskey.org. Or they can call us at 619-550-1620. And if you are, you know, have been in the military for a while, you're always looking at things through a, a trillion dollar lens and seeing, you know, are these guys legit? Are they not? Uh, Workshops for Warriors is platinum certified by Charity Navigator, 100 out of 100 by GuideStar. Uh, we've never had a financial regularity. 87% of all monies that we receive go straight to training programs. And this is in the midst of a huge capital campaign. And we increase our capacity every single semester. That is something to be proud of. That's really oh, we've cool. We've got a great team. Is it, yeah. What is it to see it in the future? We're talking about the guys getting trained up and being mm -hmm. like walk the earth kind of deal. You send them out as the people come in. It's a, there's a central hub. I always thought there should be a central hub. Mm -hmm. Like when, right. guys, when, when you, as soon as you rotate out, your DD two fourteen slides across a desk, not a computer, a right. desk, right? Mm -hmm. And because we can read that, and it was yeah. like, oh, this is what this guy is qualified for. Find out what he wants to go do, and then what he's right. qualified for, and then we could we start communicating and, and putting this this framework back together because it's been busted up too long. You're talking like a military guy, right? All right. Is, these are one of the things that are so incredibly frustrating, Marcus. That you think like the easy things would get done. And the easiest things are the hardest ones to get done. And internally, we have a saying, which is the hard things we do every day, the easy things kick our butts. And you'd be amazed at how difficult it is to get something simple. It, you'd say, okay, good. You're going to have a hub and spoke network. Everyone's going to go through this system. And then they're going to you know, be allocated to wherever they want, depending on those criteria that you just mentioned. Finding a hub and spoke that's willing to open up their data, that's willing to have data, because people don't like to be scrutinized, right? You get what you inspect. Mm, well, that's why it's military. Don't... <laughs> that's why it's the military. You don't have a choice. You can scrutinize right there on the paper. We're not letting you out of this thing ever. <laughs> right. 
but when you, when you go out to the real world, they don't uh, oh, they don't um, care. And there's all these people that are kind of fighting for different funding. That's why we don't get money from the federal government because it's works faster by doing it alone with private donations and thanks to corporate sponsors like Reliance Steel and Aluminum or Ford Motor Company or Facebook. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of big private donors that wish to remain anonymous. But if it weren't for them, we couldn't move forward. So one of the things that I've noticed just being married to Marcus for almost 11 years now is when the guys are getting out, um, it's not even that they can't find a job. It's that they don't want to find a job because it doesn't compare to right. what they were just in. And so it puts their mental state not in the best spot. A lot of them start drinking or taking mm-hmm. pills or doing whatever to just kind of numb themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happening in your school where people are just feeling kind of lost? And if so, how do you pep talk them out of it? That's a great question. You know, my wife noticed that as well with other friends that come through service. And what I tell you is that happens when you lose your mission. Mm-hmm. When you just go out to first civ div and you just don't know what you're going to do, you you have all these like emotions where you go, hey, I know, I'm, I know I'm a badass, right? I know I can do all these things. I can, I can do halos. I can do all these great things. But if you tell me the best job I can do is a $14 an hour job. I'd rather stay home or right. I don't, I know I can do this. I just need some technical skill sets and I don't have them. And it becomes so unsettling. Workshops for us doesn't have that issue at all, yeah. ever. Yeah. We literally, people come in kind of like shoulders hunched down, bend over. They're not sure what's going on. By the first week, you'll see like shoulders coming back. They know what they're doing. They come in saying, I'm a Navy veteran. I'm a Marine. I'm a scout sniper. I'm, I'm whatever it is. And then at, at the end, when they graduate, they'll say, I'm a machinist. Mm-hmm. I'm a welder. I'm a computer designer. And you can see that transformation in four months, this renewed sense of self. And it's a legitimate sense of self that's earned by the objective retention and application of knowledge because they have these nationally recognized credentials that no one can take from you. It's like being a SEAL, but not having a patty or Nowy dive card. You're like, bro. Yeah, no, I, I right. I, and it's, you know, it's another I, qual. I'm like, what are you telling me? Right? You're telling me you don't want to keep going? You don't want another qual? Of course you do. What is right. it, does it have a badge? Do you have a cool hat or something? What does it come with something? <laughs> do you want to hear what Marcus's title is now? What we've What's named him? Groundskeeper. He Ooh, loves like to mow. And he's such a good I'm mower. A, I'm a stylist. I'm a stylist. <laughs> he, a yard stylist. We have a really big yard. We live um, in the country, in the woods. And um, he mows every day. And he, we, we even got him a uniform. And it's the same color as the Navy. <laughs> I got a tan shirt and black pants. He wears his wear uniform every day. Every day. I'm not, I never got out in my head. I never got separated. I'm just not on the combat line. Yeah, like, so I- in his head, that's just his new title is groundskeeper. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I'm America's number one fan. Like, I literally have coined myself with that. I'm like, I am literally y'all's biggest fan. For everything you've done. But I get to do that. I get to Forrest Gump it, bro. I mean, I'm on the mower all day, and then I go to the the school to get my kids, and, and that's it. Yeah, he drops off the kids at school. Daddy daycare. Thing. What's yeah, up, man? I'm going to start it. my own carpool lane by a minivan, put bumpers front and back. <laughs> just wait. You get to be super humble. We know your true title is like Master of the Lawn. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. When I'm walking around, I say that. I was like, don't call me. Master. You know what I am. Uh, uh, that, but... That it's when you come into your new programs, you know how fired up you get. That sense of accomplishment it really is, man. It, it truly is the the hard work, and then there is a reward. 
you can mm-hmm. feel it. Like when someone acknowledges what you accomplished, and then that's what you be- mm-hmm. when you become it. I agree. And, and I, I, I mean, that's the, that should never stop for us because once I think once it does, it kind of def- we're on we're on a constant uh, set of tracks. And right. If we're, we're not and feeding, gotta, if we're not feeding that thing, man. It, it goes. It can go bad, especially if what, what you're carrying. Right. Like if you're what kind of what kind of train are you? Right. Like how have you been training? What kind of what kind of luggage are you carrying? If you get derailed, if you're some of us, man, you explode. Mm-hmm. And, and hurt and a lot the, of people. The, you know, the biggest, you know, we've had Medal of Honor recipients come in and speak at our school. We've had POWs, and they all tell us the same thing. You know, the guys that have the less, least amount of PTS are the ones that found a tribe that still stay in contact with their combat buddies. And the guys that come through workshops for us on the gals, they'll say, you know what? I felt, I felt lost. I was angry. I was, you know, all the things that you feel when you come out and I said, but I found this new tribe and it's amazing because they feel this brotherhood. And we have, we have a place here called the galley, literally where we all go eat. It's 120 of us every day that eat here. And it, it is so nice to see from instructors, staff, students, teaching assistants, all getting together because our goal is to rebuild American manufacturing. Right. And like you said earlier, you're undercover. Think about this. Uh, now during COVID, it's highlighted the fact that we don't have masks. We can't get medications made. There's a chip shortage. You know, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when America is going to go to war next. And if you think about it, we're both sailors. So what happens when shipping lanes get cut? How does America rebuild herself from within her shorelines? And that's where Workshops Warriors comes in. We're training veterans to be the vanguard of America's manufacturing force using American equipment, American tooling, American supplies, American technologies. Because the most important thing that America is lacking right now, it's not people, it's not money. It's this staggering lack of vision that America can once again reclaim her title as world manufacturing superpower and do it in an environmentally responsible oh, sure. way yeah. and an economically viable way, right? We can do yeah, this. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We don't have to go outside our borders. Yeah. Right. You don't even have to leave. Right. One state's designed to feed the other one in some capacity. Yes. And I mean, the dogs of war have been away too long. And every now and again, it's good to pull them back to the kennel. And remind them of what they are and what they're fighting for. Yes, uh, there's ways to, to do that. We don't, I mean, we can go down all day on that one. But you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. And because we've been at war for 20 years, a lot of us. Yes. And and because we got hit over here, a lot of the, most even the fire anybody in uniform, anybody in uniform, especially right now, they're going through something that just makes us closer. If you pull mm-hmm. camouflage apart, you have first responders, firefighters. You throw all the colors together, you get camouflage. That's us. Um, and it's one team, one fight. I agree completely. And that's the other thing we got to think about, right? We're all, we're all human. We all serve one capacity, the other one. And, you know, we all got to regroup. We got to kind of become pilgrims again. We got to be what, what made America great. A bunch of people coming over here, overcoming adversity and saying, hey, together we can do this. Alone we can't. How do we rebuild our nation? How do we do this in a way that makes sense for everyone? But the core of it is work. Like yeah, you got to do something. You Man, if you work ain't work, and... you ain't got time to argue and do all this other stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, I mean, we're arguing over some silly stuff. Like people are losing their right. lives over some silliness, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And if your yeah. ass was working, you wouldn't have time to, <laughs> time to do all that. <laughs> a lot of times I see people out there protesting, Man, you got a job or something? I mean, how that? Do... <laughs> and there, there are a lot of people complaining a bitch about people coming over here, making the trek to becoming Americans. Like they're taking my jobs. Like, man, what do you do for a living? Or someone like that could take your damn job. Right. Uh, you, you don't know. want that job, right? <laughs> well, I mean, what is it? Take uh, it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, man, we, the, what's what Americans do? We take each other's jobs. Mm-hmm. It's by design. That's what's a competition state. Capitalism, you can call it that. I call it a competition state. 
It's like, I, man, if you get out there and you work hard, you can get anything you want here, and your people will reward you for it, especially if you, if you show kindness. And if you sign up to protect them, that's another thing. Right. If this is one big house, and they always look to the, to the, the older brothers and sisters who protect them, there's some people down here who can't fight. Mm-hmm. They freeze up. I mean, they just, they, it's not their thing. They can't, they can't help it. That's why, we, that's why they got neighbors that can. That's why we all live together. Remember, we're the bastards of every other country that nobody wanted. We got thrown here. And here we are. <laughs> or we didn't want to be there. Whatever. That's, 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 our, that's our side of it. You know, when you, when you come back, I don't know if you, the same thing happened to you as well, but I remember coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, and there were all these uh, Vietnam vets that were a bunch of bikers. And I remember they accompanied us from the Dover Air Force Base all the way back to Norfolk. And the whole time I was like, who are these guys? What are they doing? And when we finally got to, to Norfolk, like I, I got out and asked them, well, what are you guys doing? I like, and they said, you know, when we came back from Vietnam, people were spitting on us and throwing at us and doing all these things. And we, we wanted to make sure that never happened oh, to yeah. any other returning service. Member. About the guard thought, riders? The Patriot yeah, guard. guard riders, yeah. man. Awesome. We love those That guys. ought to be a job. There ought to be, right? you get a, like a dollar taken out of your paycheck and it goes to the Vietnam vet <laughs> the guard riders. Just, just, mm-hmm. just for retirement. Because they, they, when they show up, mm-hmm. you, you know it. Yeah, I, we love the Patriot Guard Riders. They have shown up on many, many occasions for oh, us. This surprised me a couple of times. Like, what are y'all doing yeah. here? <laughs> I had them show up for well, one of Marcus's birthdays. Because um, usually they're hauling the buddies died. You know, yeah. usually I only get to see them when, when uh, they're taking me somewhere. Yeah. See a buddy that, that passed away. But they show up every now and again. For, on. Mm-hmm. We love Patriot Guard. Well. Yeah. I, I don't know what this group was called in Virginia, but I just remember being very it's grateful Patriot that Guard. people had taken that. And just, you know, it makes you realize that, oh, wow, I'm coming back. I've got this responsibility towards others as well. Right? Yeah. they So they're in every state. It's like okay. these little, um, I mean, they're in every city almost. I think they're in every city, every big city in every state. It's Patriot Guard riders. There's a huge, kind of like a VFW, how there's a VFW okay. in every area. Well, they have Patriot Guard riders, and it's the toughest, baddest ass motorcycle club there is. I guarantee that. Yeah, they're <laughs> hands down mostly Vietnam veterans. Um, there's mm-hmm. some that that aren't that just are super patriotic, and they will show up when veterans come home and escort them places. They show up when veterans die, and they escort them to the funeral home. I mean, to the burial place. Oh. Um, huh. They're an incredible organization, although they don't, I don't think they get paid. They no, just they do uh, it. Just it's do it. just a thing I've seen that them, they do. We, we've seen them roll thunder for over two, three miles, like where you can't even see the end of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they did it for Chris Kyle's funeral from- um, Well, that was from Austin, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, we're from Dallas <laughs> well, I've never Austin. seen anything yeah. like that before. They're a really good, I mean, awesome group of people. So they, they do have a name, and they're Patriot Guard writers, and they're in literally in every state. I will research that when we get off. Yeah. I wonder if they, are, they probably already broken up into like certain frat houses. So if you get into one of them, you know how military do it. You know there's initiation in some of the houses. You're like, man, you got to be tough to be in that house, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because they, uh, they were doing a lot when, um, was it like 2006, six seven? There were a lot of protesters that were showing up at veteran funerals. And they started showing up to guard the um, the burial from the protesters, so the family wouldn't families wouldn't have to see 
the protesters, and they basically just mm-hmm. stood in a line shoulder to shoulder, and that's how they got really popular, and then they just started popping up in every city, basically. I mean, everywhere that we've been to a funeral, they've shown up. Um, so, anyway, we love love them. They are great. You two are the draw. Like, what? Melanie and Marcus will be there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, I mean, they're just an awesome group. But So, what is your wife's role in this? Does she work with, uh, with the workshop, or does she have a role? Now she does. So, my wife left me alone here for several years. She just come in, give me unsolicited advice that was always good. And right. yeah, because for the first five years, right, when I got out of the Navy, she was the sole breadwinner. And I told her, look, I, we're going to celebrate what we have. We, we were two dinks, you know, dual income, no kids in Washington, D.C. And we sold everything, you know, all the cool toys, the Harleys, the BMWs, uh, convertibles. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that is that what that's called? Dinks? Dinks. Yeah. What's a dink? Dual income, no kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never heard that. Really? I've never heard of that. Uh-uh, All right. yeah, I mean, I've heard that word, kids. but I didn't know what that was, that's what that was. Yeah. Just, stop before you had kids when, when you actually are well-rested and you're not angry all the time over uh, someone that they did. Right? Right? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Before you were literally housing tiny little demon dinosaurs that were always looking and angling for a way to get at you. It's like living with captors, right? Watching judges. They're like little prisoners. <laughs> Watching, judging. Yeah, who really runs that house, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. We talk, I was like, damn, damn kids. <laughs> right. But, you know, we, we did that. And I said, look, for five years, I'm going to have, I need your help. Because I, I have to focus on that. And, you know, as you know, right, the less you do, the better you do it. And I was focusing on that. And after about eight years, she kept telling me, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do that. We actually have a sign at home that says, if at first you don't succeed, try doing it the way your wife told you. Yeah. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> no, hey, I get burned on that all the time. Right. Like, first thing in the morning, I'm like, babe, what do you want me to do today? And she'll tell me. That's the only thing I won't do. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I, it took me forever to figure that out. I, I was like, "Man, what, what, what is it?" I, I could not put that together. All right, he'll ask me for a honeydew list, and I'll write a list, and he'll do a ton of other things, and nothing on the list. So I just go back and I underline and I exclamation mark and I circle. I didn't say. I, then I started coming up with this. I was like, "So it, it not to I said honeydew list. You said a day. You didn't have the time. It didn't have like fifteen hundred. You know, the time frame on there or anything like." That. So, you know. If you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen, Melanie. Right? Oh, tell me about it. I schedule everything for him. I like walking around without form. You know, it's just kind of a <laughs> void sticker on my forehead. Like, what, what can I do here? Like, oh, here it is right here. Boom. <laughs> you give a plan of the day. I, that's the biggest thing when you get out. You don't have those. And there's nobody right. putting out the word. That you kinda, yeah, we you little, we'd have guys that we would show up here at Workshops for Warriors at 0600 and then be sleeping outside the door. And I come in the morning and go, hey, what are you doing? I say, hey, we just, I just need a place to go. Can you just tell me what to do? It's something to do. do. Right? I, and I, I, I was talking to a buddy and I started thinking, I was like, man, I have plenty to do. But I don't have, I don't have any something to do. Like, I don't have something to do. It's, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I, it was a, what I'm trying to say. I was like, man, I knew I wanted to be a SEAL. I was like, that was what I was supposed to do what I, and what I did. And everything else just kind of fell into place. And when we're in the right. military... Nothing runs smoother than medical and dental. Your ass has to go. And then you're out of there so you can deploy. I don't know where the rub is when you get out. How, oh, my gosh. How, how that doesn't work. But 
it happens so fast in there. The stuff that we worry about in the military or don't have to worry about is what you have to worry about on the outside. Right. I make de- uh, dentist doctor's appointments for him <laughs> all the time, and he just doesn't go. Hair appointments. Because they won't let us play if we don't in the military. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Can't play. Here, I can still go do some stuff. I try to like schedule it all out, make sure he goes, I make right. the appointments. I'm a corpsman, man. I'm the worst patient. And I then he know. just... I agree. We're the worst, worst patients. I'll see him, and I'm like, where... Why aren't you at your appointment? He's like, oh, I, I really don't need to go today. We we'll reschedule it. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I know how rescheduling works. Also, I could diagnose myself. Which rescheduling <laughs> means you reschedule and then you make me another appointment. Uh, yes, it does. Well, I love yes. you. I've never you. said that I am in charge here. I'm merely for protection and maintenance. Oh man. <laughs> well, oh gosh. Well, Marcus, like you said, right in the military, we all work for medical and dental, and the outside, they're like. Well, they work for us. So you can kind of push them off for a little bit, right? You got stuff to do. I learned but more, that's a, more that's being a, great... a corpsman about how the military works. Everybody has to roll through that station. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Everyone right. has to go through that station. So you, you see it's, it's something. Oh, my gosh. But you're right. That's the big issue. And what I'll tell people when they show up is show up and I'll give you purpose. Like show up and I'll tell you how to help our nation. Show up and I'll tell you how to help rebuild our nation. And I tell every graduating class that works out for you know, now you're going to go off into the civilian world and do whatever you want. But when America goes to war again, I want you to report back to the closest DOD facility because we're going to need machinists, welders, fabricators to help get all those green things back in the ocean to make sure that all those gray ships go out to sea, to make sure that all those aircraft fly. And that's where you guys need to help. And they know this. So they're, they're training for a civilian world where they know that they may, may be called back to active duty to help our nation because we, we've lost this kind of corporate knowledge in the Department of Defense to fix our own equipment and to maintain our own equipment. We, we sent so much of it out to be civilianized. Yeah, well, that's we're, another we're reason to keep them around, right, on the GS jobs, to GS them. Right. Lot, we, we started that in our community. A lot of the mass chiefs and the, and the guys, they would, they would GS over, which is great because they spoke the language. They knew how to get stuff right. done. It's, it's harder when you deploy, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> Y'all are right. both talking military language. So for the listeners out there that aren't – veterans that the gs means they're actually going to other government jobs right like police like they're, they're civilians, civilians right. so they're, they're government service employees but they're not uniform they're not uh military personnel they're civilians right like border so patrol it's basically the most kick-ass job you can have in the military because you get to do the military stuff get paid but you don't have to do the military stuff but can they transfer <laughs> over like if you got out of the marines could you and you move back home to south texas say could you go into the border patrol just by like uh, switching know. over how does that no because each house has a well it depends that man that's that's a deep question actually the, the border patrol actually hires and recruits a lot from our students and from the department of defense border patrol the police department normally their accession cycles or training programs are a little bit shorter than dod's because dod provides such a great training ground like like marcus said let about a percentage of Americans are actually able or eligible to serve in the U.S. Armed Forces because they might be overweight, they might have drug issues, they might have felony convictions, they might have tattoos, who knows, right? They might not be medically suited for it. So of that 1% of Americans that are actually eligible to serve and complete at least one of three or four years duty, core duty. That's a great point. You're already looking at the cream of the crop. So when Border Patrol, police departments get them, there's not that much training that has to go into them. But there's no equivalency threat. Yeah. Well, yeah, just because th- that's a great point doesn't mean you can't serve. There ought to be something right. you can, you know, like America. 
we have so many ex- ships and stuff. It's like when we show up for war and when we show up for humanitarian missions, we wear the same uniform and show. I, I think there ought to be like cut some of that out, paint them a different color, and then our humanitarian services is just like a two year program you get out of high school. You have to go do it. You got to leave this country. Mm-hmm. You gotta. You don't have to be the war fighter. I mean, there's right. we have those. The, that's our side, right? But then that's a good idea. Like AmeriCorps. Yeah. Yeah. Check something like that. Right. Yeah. Or ob- obligatory service. America used to have an obligatory uh, draft, as do a lot of other nations. Like Israel has it, Argentina has it, where everyone has to serve one or two years. Yeah, you ha- I mean, the way things are so good. If you're bitching about the good stuff that we have now, then you got to you have to go serve, man. You just got to. Agreed. And Even I if think, it's and in I the agree Peace Corps. I think everyone merits from that, and politicians are a lot less likely to put their own kids in harm's way. So it makes the nation as a whole kind of think about it before they start another war with no clear objective. Oh, sure, absolutely, one hundred percent. Right. Everyone's going in there. You're going to have a get. Yeah, you're going to understand why this place is the way it is. Mm-hmm. You don't. You, you, I don't care how, where you come from. Right. I mean, the dra- drafting into war is one thing, but this is just like another school. It's like eth- we don't, it used to be ethics in school. Like that was a class. Right. Like how to treat people mm-hmm. nice. I guess you know some people don't get raised that way. That's why you go to school to learn mm-hmm. how to to deal, talk to everybody. You're right. You know, when I went to school in when I in France and in the U.S. and I also went to a, a school on Saturdays. Uh, for called Argentinian school, and we'd actually learn civics, uh, morality, and ethics. You know, like what you're not just here, like waiting, like give me, give me, give me. You've got a responsibility to your community and to your society. And I think that's one of the things that one of the things that are getting lost. Except if you serve, because then you realize, hey, we all have a part to do in this. Sure. And you understand, like the duty, not just the duty, but like the watch of. Hey, it sucks, and I get it. And this year, tell you what, this year I'm going to stand watch on Christmas Eve. Next year, you'll do it. The following year, someone else will do it. But someone's got to do it. Oh, those are the worst, man. That it, 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 <laughs> that never right? goes away because somebody always outranks you. That's the beautiful part about being in the family. Like you'll just be like, I don't mm-hmm. have watch, and then somebody will be like coming up and be like, Well, dude, come on, I've been in the military longer than you've been on a toilet, son. You're having, you're gonna, you're gonna stand watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you learn to appreciate that because when you, as you make rig, you understand why it works. And then there's guys below you and girls below you who want to make and, and do better, so they're pushing you. You, you mm-hmm. don't have a choice. It's, it's like a, the way it's designed is like a nuclear American society. Best way mm-hmm. to say it. But it's all centers on. You got to work. Yeah, you got to work service. You have to work. You know, nothing's going to be given to you. And that's what we do here. Like our school is a filter. It's not a pump. Just like the military, right? It's a filter. It's not a pump. Not everyone can get in. And if you want to do well, you got to achieve. You got to put out. You got to have you know, sustained superior effort and performance. And uh, that's how you're measured. I don't care if we started a snow cone stand. With a bunch of team guys in there, it's going to be epic. All right, there's going to be right. a bunch of them. We were outwork literally everybody else. Like, how did right. you turn this around? Because we never shut down. Y'all might have been better and more whatever, but we just stayed. Just we figured out a way. Well, it's like Black Rifle. I mean, it's a bunch of veterans oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. got together and they're with Evan. Evan yeah, yeah, Evan. Evan and they're having and a blast. They have a blast. They have a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and they're great we, guys. Who think reinvent you know, coffee house? Who 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 right. thought that right? <laughs> you know, when we started Workshop Warriors in 2008, at first we were like, ah, we're gonna need more money. So we started, we needed more money, we needed more money. Things always took longer than you thought it would. We kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We kept needing more money. And you know, some of the people that I served with said, hey, we're gonna go start a company. So we started a company called Vet Powered. He said, I wanna start donating money. And Vet Powered was just named 2020 Veteran Owned Small Business of the Year for the oh, United States of America by wow. the Small Business Administration. Awesome. 
That's awesome. I love man when I, when, I, when when we do good. I feel that. I what feel is good when we vet do good. powered? Right. What do they Say do? Again? What is vet powered? They do advanced manufacturing, rapid prototyping, machine repair, and they make all sorts of cool stuff for big Fortune 100 companies and things that go into space. Toys, and a lot of things. Like, yeah, toys. Military people get out there because they we we figured out the shortcuts <laughs> how to do because we have to use the stuff that they invent. And right. they send it to us. And then once we get it, and a lot of people don't realize this, we take the stuff that you don't need out of it and, and, and confine it all the way down to where you can put it into a cargo pocket and make it work. Right. Some of the cool things, you know, that that part makes. Oh, nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That was one of yeah, the coolest is, things is what we Pretty cool things. The toys. Well, when you, if you all come down here, we'll show you some pretty cool things. We're definitely yeah, we'll going. We're, we'll figure out our schedule and we'll... Make sure we're there for an extra day so we can go tour your place. That is really cool. Yeah, bro. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for I having me. You're doing me. great really things, man. We're going we're gonna to do what we can to make sure everyone on our end hears about it. Yeah, we're Thank proud you. of you. That's awesome. You know, the number one thing that I would love is just getting people in. Because once they come in, they go, oh, my gosh, I, I should have come here earlier. You know, I, I get that from every two, three, and four star that comes by. And they go, oh, my gosh, I, I should have listened to you. I should have come by earlier. Like, well, so what do we do next? Yeah. Right? How do we expand? I'm like, well. How do we open one in Houston? It's we like have this, so this is how many we veterans. Do it. It's a word of mouth thing. Because remember, when it starts with a couple of us, people will be like, mm-hmm. ah, that's just what they're doing. But it's right. more vets, like it's word of mouth with us. You want something to spread right. like wildfire, let it, just let us get a hold of it and start spreading it. Because one guy will tell the next, and the girl, I mean, it'll go just like that. That's how you yeah, build I would, it. I would love that. And, you know, we there was a guy from Qualcomm. In fact, he's in, he's in uh, Texas right now. And he was the number two guy at Qualcomm. He actually, he's the guy that patented airplane mode. Oh, wow. And he said, <laughs> on the fifth time that? he came here, he said, you know what? The first four times I thought that this was like a facade. I had no idea. I, I didn't think that you guys were really doing this, but I kept seeing graduates and students there in class every day and seeing new people and the, the transformation. And I realized, oh my gosh, you guys are serious. You really are doing this. And he joined our board of advisors and he's been a huge champion. It's it's, it's, it's a pity that sometimes you get burned so often that it's hard to believe things. But when people come here, they become believers. That is so cool. Do you have social media for the, for the school? We do. Uh, it's, um, it's WFW.org. Our social media accounts are very, very small because most of our full-time people are instructors and teaching assistants. But any help that you would like to give us would be gratefully appreciated. Yeah, I'm going to look at it right that. now. Yeah, we spend our money on training and on cool robots to train people so they get $60,000 a year jobs. Not so much on social media, but... uh, Oh, we can figure that out on our own. (laughs) (laughs) That part, yeah. Andrew's like, no. (laughs) It's pretty cool when you get some guy from Iowa comes up to you and it's 240-pound corn-fed guy. Yeah, bear, breathing hard. and (laughs) And he says, you know what? I never thought I'd learn math. I never thought I'd learn geometry. And when, you know, first day of school, he said, nope, math, I'm out. That's why I joined the Marine Corps. Yeah, right. And, That's a thing. Right. And then two days, then we like, slow down, killer. He goes, would you like to make a knife or a gun? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And I'm like, all right, this is how geometry helps. And they've never had math applied before. Once you show them how math can be used to do the things that you want, they're like, oh my gosh, this, this is what I want to do. And now, this, you know, the same guy comes up to you a couple of months later and goes, hey, I'm a high-tech redneck now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now I, you know, Babe, you need I to go through. Well, that's the thing is it's applied <laughs> applied mathematics. Like there's some people who can get in the book and they're just like, they can read it and they're fine. I got it. Right. 
And then, then some of it, 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 I read this thing a while back. It said, God made me bad at math because he knew I'd be too powerful. <laughs> now, now I love math. Like I study it because oh. I understand it. I mean, I can't stop. I can't stop it. He it loves math. It, I'm like, I don't, I am not. But I mean, when I was, I can go, count I money. struggle with it, it <laughs> kind of coming up until people started showing me the tricks and the shortcuts. Right. Uh, my, the best example I'll use is the nines, like adding nines, like nine and seven, nine and six. For a while, I'd be like, nine, six, nine, kind of figure out. But nine plus seven is whatever number's under seven is six. Put a one in front of it, 16. So nine and seven, 16. Mm-hmm. Nine and six, 15. I was like, wait, is that it? It's just 100 and put a one beside it? I was like, is there a trick for everything? And they're like, yes, there is. <laughs> I mean, if, there, if someone could teach it, and that's the beautiful thing is, is imagine the person that can teach anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. That's a gift. Mm-hmm. That's truly a gift because there's no there's not there's no such thing as someone can't learn. It's right. just you can't teach it to them. Someone, and they got to be motivated to try and learn it. And that's one of those things that you show the people things that they want to do, and then you show them easier ways to get it done. And they go, "Oh, this makes sense. That resonates with them." And then they do it, and they go, "Oh wow! So now I can do a bolt hole pattern. Why is that important? Well, I want to make a, a manifold for my Harley. Great. This is how you make it. Or I want to make pipes for my Jeep. Great. This is how you do it." And now they start realizing it. And one of the things that I love about Workshop Warriors is you're creating this, you're like rekindling America's spirit of innovation. Yeah. Right? Starting I to love that. Yeah, that's good. Babe, you, know, you say, did you do a forging shop? Like where we make knives and the, the swords and all that? We actually machine them. But I'm sorry. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. On the lathe yeah, now? So, um, computer-aided mills, computer-aided, uh, computer-numerically controlled lathes, mills, lasers, water Seriously, jets. I'm going to have way robot. too much fun over there, bro. I'm like, hey, he I'm would <laughs> love that. I thought Marcus about going old school always... with hammers down here, but that those <laughs> machines, that's, that's something. Oh, my gosh. You can make suppressors in eight minutes. I mean, don't there's some me pretty amazing like, don't, 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 do don't take me. Get me some Flex Seal and Doom Buggy. We might have to... <laughs> We might have to get an Airbnb for four months uh, and right? put you through. He would love to learn how to make out there, knives. August at least. Use your GI Bill. <laughs> right? That's awesome, man. That would be so cool. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us about what you do. I had no idea. I did not know you existed. So very, very happy. And now we can spread the word. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have me on the show. I really appreciate it. And Marcus, thanks for everything you do. I was at Qualcomm when they did one of the premieres uh, of your movie at Qualcomm here yeah, in yeah, San yeah. Diego. Mm-hmm. And half of those proceeds went to support workshops for years. I really appreciated that as well. And you were pretty busy back then, so I didn't want to bug you. No, no, yeah. Thanks for <laughs> I, uh, that was a That was a wild time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was thanks for everything. And Melanie, thanks for putting up with him. I know that that's going to be tough, especially the first five, <laughs> ten years. But, you know... You know, we're doing the best we can as we get out. So thank you. know, God bless you and my wife for putting up with Aww, us. Thank well, you. it's paid off. Yeah. yeah. God bless you, brother, man. Take care. We'll see you thanks, soon. Yeah, thank bro. you. Thank you. Aaron, thanks so much for being on, man. Hey, if you guys liked this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on social media, teamneverquit.com slash social. You can get all of our handles for Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. We will see you guys next week.